Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Hey guys, I'm Jen. And I'm Amanda. And you're listening to Fathomless. I think we have our audio right. We do. We've I think been we doing do. Good. We don't sound like we're in a cave. I hope we don't not. sound like there's like hissing behind us. We um, are actually wearing headphones too, so we yeah. can hear ourselves. We're like real podcasters now. Almost. I have my shitty um, little headphones that you get on the airplane. Oh my god! Yeah, they're like, these are airplane headphones. Yeah, they're really not that great. But no, one we're day, getting there. One day we'll have those cool ones that go over your ears. Yeah. No, we're peasants guys so you know we work it out what one paycheck at a time yes a seriously <laughs> <laughs> um all right so we just had our true crime and updates volume two episode yeah, last we week enjoyed it. i'm sure um, there's more crazy updates we will get to all of them as soon as we can yeah we didn't really like have a script for this for that episode just yeah. it was kind of all mumbo jumbo kind of like our thoughts it. yeah just kind of word vomit but because I don't know. I feel like there were a shit ton of updates in big cases like these. Like, you know, we don't want to reiterate what everyone already knows. Yeah, the same things that you're seeing said over and over and over. Haven't seen any new updates with the Idaho murders, really. No. um, I feel like now that they have them, like, it's just just waiting waiting on trial, trial. waiting for it to go through the system, which our court system is (laughs) slow as fuck. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of criminals out there. criminals (laughs) so um the case i'm gonna cover today um i never heard of this case before but apparently it's a pretty well-known missing persons case when you said the name i immediately wanted to be like that sounds familiar but i'm really like i I, i'm so torn yeah i did i never heard of it um so we're gonna be talking about the mysterious disappearance of brianna maitland from vermont uh, Dateline has done an episode on it. Ooh, uh, yeah, Dateline. the show disappeared on Investigation Discovery. Uh-huh. Did an episode on it. Anyone else out there with Discovery Plus? I watch it all day, every day. Okay, I need to get that. I used to be obsessed with that show, and I used to watch it all the time. Like I love. I feel like that's another part of my my fascination with true crime was watching the show. But I just I don't remember seeing this episode on Brianna. I probably saw it, but just like it was so long ago that I just yeah. don't remember. Um, but when I was researching this case and looking up the details, I I didn't really remember much. Um, I tried to watch it, but it's not on Hulu and Investigation Discovery. Um, so it's on Discovery Plus. They have their own. Yes, they have their okay. own. It's only like four ninety nine a month, I think. Oh, that's not for bad. The, like without. Well, like, Hulu there's had like ads, but they're. Hulu incredible. had disappeared, so I they went did. to try to watch it, and now they don't have it anymore. And I think it's because Discovery Plus now has their own, gotcha. so they're, like, slowly pulling things yeah. off of other okay. ones. But I love Investigation Discovery, so five totally bucks a month, it, that's worth it. Because they have um, Discovery Plus, well, they have Discovery Channel, they have National Geographic, they have, um, they have Animal Planet, they have HGTV, they have Lifetime, so they have, like, all those cheesy Lifetime movies, Fuck too. Yeah. Um, they have like paranormal shows. They have okay. Travel Channel. So it's 
like I can watch House Hunters. I can watch oh, like my okay. Gordon Ramsay shows. I can watch. I'm getting that like renovation shows and watch a bunch of true crime stuff. Got and it. then watch you know like Pipples and Parolees when I need a good cry. Or say yes to the dress. I love say yes to the dress. Yeah, it's, they have like every season on there, and they I have never, say yes to the dress Atlanta. I never got that experience for myself picking up my wedding dress, but I knew I didn't want a crazy expensive yeah, dress I, for one night. I see girls that are like getting a wedding dress, and then they're getting a reception dress, and I'm I like, do that? But no, get pick one dress because you're only gonna wear it. Once. I definitely want to wear a big ass ball gown. I know you do. I've since prom, and I'm a short girl, and I would just look super cute in like a big ball gown. I got, so, I got, day. yeah, he, yeah, that's definitely your style. Oh yeah. I got two dresses. Um, the second one I got, your dress is gorgeous. I though. love it so much more. Have I shown you my second dress? Yes. I love it so much more. I'm obsessed. Um, but it doesn't zip. <laughs> so, girl, we'll get there. We got we'll time. We'll get there. I got a couple months um maze of ways away yeah i just ordered i just ordered my dresses from like online boutiques i still have to order my bridesmaid's dress please order your bridesmaid's dress i, I they were on sale for like 30 dollars. mine wasn't the, the size oh. the specific one that i want and i have to um i have to do custom sizing right. well you still I have a couple months so my short ass needs you know if you're a bridesmaid of mine and you're listening to this get your dress alana gina sam serena Erin. Get, get your dresses. Get your dresses. Get your dresses. All right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I tried to watch it. This specific. Dis- yeah, I couldn't find it on Hulu. I couldn't find it on YouTube. I couldn't find it. So um, I wasn't able to watch that episode. Um, it was also mentioned on a documentary, documentary series called The Disappearance of Maura Murray that showed on the Oxygen ne- Network. Is that yes. is Oxygen part of investigation discovery is that i think different? they have some of the oxygen on there i might be wrong because i know they do a lot of coverage on yeah cases um so brianna's case is often talked about alongside the maura Mari disappearance because maura disappeared from new hampshire just a month and a half before brianna did in early february of 2004 yeah. there's very there's a lot of similarities i remember you said that yeah um i mean neighboring states a few similar circumstances but i kind of briefly mentioned that at the end um so let's start talking about brianna maitland's disappearance so yep so brianna maitland disappeared on march 19th 2004 after leaving her job at the black lantern inn in montgomery vermont brianna was 17 years old at the time so sad but also fairly close in age to maura murray maura murray was she was younger, right? 21. No, she was older. 20, she, I, I think she was I 21. To, I don't know why I wanted to say 12. And I had like a <laughs> No, she was a college flipped, student. And flipped that shit around. She had stopped. Maura had stopped at a liquor store prior to her disappearance. So she was definitely of age. I'm just having a, it's okay. a mental lapse over here, guys. Um, so Brianna's car was discovered the following day. Backed into the side of an abandoned house about a mile from her work. She Ooh. has not been seen or heard from since. Yeah. So Brianna Alexandra Maitland was born on October 8th, 1986 in Burlington, Vermont to Bruce and Kelly Maitland. She was raised in East Franklin, Vermont, alongside her brother, not too far from the Canadian border. So I looked up where um, Montgomery, Vermont was. It's like right on the border of Canada. That's way there. up there. Up there. Um, 
Brianna was a well-liked, well-rounded person who who was described as being a joy to be around. On her 17th birthday in October of 2003, Brianna decided that she wanted to move away from her parents' farm. She wanted to be closer to friends and just gain some independence. Her mother mother stated that all was well within the household and that there were no major stressors. Um, Just every 17-year-old can't wait to get out of their parents' house. Like, all was fine and well with my house, but I was like, I can't wait to get out of here. Oh, yeah. We all have that, like, in, like, every suburban child's teenage years. But her parents allowed her to do this. Um, This is when she enrolled at her friend's high school and was essentially hopping from friend's house to friend's house, making her living situation a little bit unstable. How was she able to do that as, like, a minor? Just, like... Be like, cool, bye, I'm going to enroll myself in a different school. I guess her parents gave her permission. I don't know. Um, So by the end of February 2004, Brianna had actually dropped out of high school and moved in with her friend Jillian in Sheldon, Vermont. And uh, Sheldon is about 20 miles west of Montgomery, and she enrolled in a program to get her GED. So on the morning of March 19th, 2004, Brianna took her GED test, and then she went out to lunch with her mother to celebrate, and they spent the afternoon shopping and running errands. Okay. So she still had a good relationship with her parents, even though she was not living with them. Yeah. Her father, Bruce, was out of state working in New York this day. Brianna's mother stated that Brianna was a good spirits that day, and they had even discussed plans of, a, of attending college in the near future. So she had future plans. You know, it's not like she was planning on leaving, up and leaving. As Brianna and her mother were in line to check out at a store, Kelly said something outside had caught Brianna's attention. And she told her mother that she would be right back and she left the store. Uh, Kelly met her daughter outside in the parking lot. And this is when she noticed that Brianna was clearly shaken up about something. She seemed anxious to kind of just like get home and get to her shift at work that night. Uh, She didn't want to pry her daughter about what could have happened and just drop Brianna off at her friend's house that she was staying at. And this was between 3.30 and 4 p.m. that day. That's interesting. Yeah. And her mother never figured out, like, what? Um, No. I I guess she just, like, didn't want to pry, but I feel like my mom would be like, what happened? What happened? Yeah. I don't know. I would would definitely pry. I'm that kind of nosy person. So this would be the last time that Kelly would ever see her daughter. Oh, yeah. So before leaving for her shift, Brianna left a note for her friend saying that she would be back after work that evening. She headed to work at the Black Lantern Inn where she was a dishwasher and she was driving a 1985 Oldsmobile that was registered to her mother. Uh, Coworkers say that Brianna's shift was, quote, uneventful. She didn't have any visitors. She didn't have any phone calls. Um, And I feel like if you know, one of your coworkers was in distress, like having people come and getting phone calls and being distracted from work. Maybe that's something you notice. Yeah, I would definitely be like, hey, good. Like, what's going on? But yeah, nobody, nobody noticed anything out of the ordinary with her. Uh, she completed her shift and left at approximately 1120 p.m. Her coworkers invited her out that night to hang out with them. But she said that she needed to get home and rest because she had a second job that she had to get to the next day. Hustling. Yep. So she was last seen by a co-worker getting into her car and leaving the parking lot. 
This was the last time Brianna Maitland was seen alive. Oh. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. My, <laughs> my cat just stole Jen's headphones. She did. Aria, stop biting my headphones. <laughs> I'm like, why am I being dragged down to the floor? <laughs> she thought they were a toy. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I forgive her. I love her. So on March 20th, 2004, this is the next day. A Vermont State Trooper was dispatched to an abandoned house on Route 18 in Richford, just about a mile down the road from the Black Lantern Inn. Oh, boy. Yeah. This house is locally known as the Old Dutch Burn House, and Brianna's Brianna's Oldsmobile was found tucked into the side of it at somewhat of an odd angle. The car collided into the building in such a way that the rear bumper was stuck on the foundation of the house. Elevating the tires, basically making it stuck. Oh, shit. There were no signs that the car had come off the road in an uncontrolled manner. Like, nobody, like, swerved off the road and then landed yeah, backward. Yeah, tire marks or anything. Yeah. Or... There was nobody in the vehicle or in the farmhouse. The doors to the car were unlocked, but the keys were not inside. Two of Brianna's paychecks were in the front seat, and the outside of the car, um... They found some loose change, a water bottle, and an unsmoked cigarette. Okay. Yeah, just some random items. So the state trooper assumed that the car was abandoned by a drunk driver and just had it towed to a local garage. I did, yeah, I did read that this officer went to the Black Lantern Inn after seeing the paychecks in the front seat to try and contact Brianna, but apparently they were closed and he didn't attempt anything further. He just had the car towed. Like, go to her house, or you know, any of that. Like, you're just gonna leave it at that. Just pretty much leave it at that. Didn't even when he ran the registration, saw that it was registered to Kelly, but he saw the paychecks and figured she was the primary driver. Yeah, but like, if you can't get in contact with her, aren't you gonna call the person on the registration? Yeah, um, you'll see this is why, like, and it's an issue. So, even though her car was found abandoned, um. She was still not reported missing for several days. Are you kidding me? Um, her mother, Kelly, was unaware of the discovery of the car for five days. Oh Nobody contacted her. Um, the friend that she was staying with was unaware of her friend's disappearance because she went away that weekend after seeing Brianna's note on Friday the 19th. <clears throat> I had to clear my throat. Sorry. Um, so when she saw that the, that the note was untouched when she returned the following Monday... She assumed Brianna was just staying else, elsewhere. Her living arrangements were very sta- weren't very stable, as we already know. Yeah, so she may have gone to like another friend's house to hang out for a while, or something like that. She may have, you know, wanted to go back to her back parents. to her parents, or you know, you never know. Yeah. So this friend called Brianna's mother on Tuesday the twenty third, four days after Brianna was last seen, and. This is when Kelly, her mother, called multiple friends and her co-workers, and they all reported that they had not spoken to or seen Brianna. This is when Kelly filed the missing persons report, still unaware about the discovery of the car. And two days later, on Thursday, March 25th, Brianna's parents gave police um, photos of their daughter. And this is when police showed them picture the pictures of the Oldsmobile found at the Dutch Burn house. Oh, my God. Which, at that point, they're going to be like, Jesus fucking Christ, why did nobody alert us of this? They immediately identified the car as Brianna's. And Kelly knew just by looking at the photo that somebody else had to have left this car in such a way. Oh, yeah. 
she stated in interviews that she was, quote, instinctively revulsed. So mother's Uh, intuition. Yeah. She knew. So the initial thought by the Vermont State Police who led the investigation was that there was no foul play involved, thinking Brianna was a possible runaway. I mean, she already didn't live at home. Why else would she run away? Yeah. Um, I mean, she had plans of going to college. She just took her GED test. Like, doesn't scream, run away to me. So, about a week after Brianna was last seen, the area surrounding the Dutchburn house was thoroughly searched by police and search dogs. One item of interest was collected from the ground near where her car was found, but police were unsure if it belonged to Brianna or not. A DNA profile was obtained from this item and was directly compared to 11 persons of interest, but no match was identified. The Oldsmobile was processed by the state crime laboratory on March 30th, and it was returned to the family, and Brianna's father noticed that her ATM card, glasses, migraine medication, all these things were left inside. Things you might need if you're a runaway. Police later changed their minds and concluded that foul play was more than likely the cause of Brianna's disappearance. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, Christ, I feel like, like we can figure that out. Yeah. Come on, dude. Um, and the FBI stated that the scene of the accident was likely staged. Um, are you kind of seeing some comparisons yeah. to the Maura Murray case? Definitely. This is why they, like, compare it. Just strange circumstances. Her parents believe that multiple people played part in her abduction, stating that it would have been difficult for just one person giving her martial arts training. So she had grown up taking jujitsu, martial arts. Oh, yeah. So she she knew how to defend herself. She knew how to defend herself. So, but if there were multiple people, that she might not have been able to fight them off. If it was one person, she stood a pretty good chance, right? Um, after Brianna was reported missing, um, multiple people came forward to the police to report sightings of her at the Dutchburn house the night she disappeared. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. So, a man, well, I mean, they all didn't see her, but they saw the car as well. Yeah. A man who drove by the house between 11.30 p.m. and 12.30 a.m. said that the car's headlights may have been on, but he did not see anyone in or around the car. Fun. I'm sure it would be difficult to see if anyone was in the car dark out headline headlights are on but um a second man who drove by between midnight and 12 30 said that they remembered seeing a turning signal flashing on the car um at about 4 a.m a former boyfriend of brianna's drove by the scene after going to a party across the border in canada he thought he recognized the vehicle but he didn't see anyone around it the next morning some passerbys found the scene to be odd enough that they were stopping to take pictures Oh, my God. Yeah. Three weeks prior to her disappearance, Brianna was at a party where she was physically attacked by a former friend of hers. Oh, shit. The motive for this attack was said to be over a boy, typical for that age. And if nobody remembers how Amanda and I met. Yep, it was over a boy. She wanted to kick my ass over a boy. Exactly. (laughs) So, I can understand. (laughs) Yeah, definitely can relate. Even though she had studied martial arts and studied jujitsu when she was younger, she refused to fight back. She was hit in the face several times while she was sitting in a truck and received a broken nose and a concussion. Also, for the record, I never did anything. Like no, that you didn't because I was <laughs> too was friendly. never a fight. You were too sweet and too wonderful of a person. Yeah. 
I hope you still do that. I love you. <laughs> I of love course you. I do. Um, so she actually filed charges against her attacker, but these charges were dropped three weeks later when Brianna was reported missing. This girl was interviewed by law enforcement and was cleared of having any involvement in her disappearance. Okay. That's good. Yeah. But somebody did something. Yeah. So there's theories. <clears throat> A couple weeks following Brianna's disappearance, the Vermont State Police received an anonymous tip claiming that she was being held against her will in a house in Berkshire, Vermont, just 10 miles from Montgomery. This house was being rented by Raymond Ryans and Nathaniel Jackson, who were two known drug dealers from New York. Okay. The house was raided on April 15th. Unfortunately, there was no sign of Brianna, but police did arrest both Ryans and Jackson for possession of cocaine and marijuana and possession of drug paraphernalia. Yeah. All right. Close friends disclosed to law enforcement that Brianna was an acquaintance of Ryans and Jackson and had experimented with hard drugs recently, specifically cocaine. That's sad. I mean, 17 years old, not, not living yeah. with your parents. Um, I mean. Yeah, you're feeling free. You're feeling invincible. Yeah. I get it. In late 2004, another anonymous phone call came through to police from an older woman who claimed that these two guys had murdered Brianna a week after her disappearance. The signed affidavit contained these allegations that were written in graphic detail. Oh, my God. It states that Ryan's killed Brianna after an argument they had about money that she had lent to him to purchase drugs and that her body was temporarily placed in a basement in a recently incarcerated woman's home. And how did this lady know all of this? I don't know. It was an anonymous tip. Okay. Well, at first it was an honest yeah. tip, but they I'm sure she had to come in and sign stuff. Yeah. But like her name hasn't been released. <clears throat> no, so. no, no. Okay. Um Brianna's that's, just, that's a that's a lot of info to claim to know without having any involvement. Yeah. So Brianna's body was then allegedly dismembered and disposed of on a pig farm. Oh my god. And if you know anything about pigs, they'll eat they'll eat anything. anything. Yep. Even your bones. Oh god. Okay. Um yeah. Uh law enforcement was unable unable to pr- to prove these claims. Um, and now, like, what I'm about to say is, like, a little disturbing. The Maitland family reported that they had received numerous anonymous phone calls from people claiming that Brianna was tied to a tree in the woods oh. and that she was disposed of at the bottom of a lake. That is fucking horrific. Imagine being a mother and your daughter is missing and never. you're getting anonymous I, phone calls like this. I, haunting. Please, people, never, ever, ever call the family of somebody who is missing. Just don't. If you people, think you have information, call the police. If you want to prank no, call people, somebody, call the police. They're yeah. People are like, fucked. People are so fucked, and they're so sick in the head. Disgusting. They have to call the parents. Like, I hope these people who made these phone calls never grew up to have their own children, because like yeah, and have those children go missing. Yeah. Like, may you never feel the pain that these parents feel. So in 2006, an alleged sighting of Brianna um, happened at a casino in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and this. It's a little Suppos- far away. This supposed site. I mean, New Jersey. Yeah. Down the coast. I mean, but... yeah, down the coast a little. Um, But, I mean, it shed light on this case once again. The woman was never identified. It was a grainy, like, footage. Like surveillance. Camera. Yeah. Footage. Sitting oh, next to a guy at a poker table. Um, And her parents were like, like, that looks like her. That looks like her. Oh. Um, But she was never identified. At one point, the police investigated a possible connection between Brianna's disappearance and the serial killer Israel Keys. 
Keys. Now, okay. if you don't know who Israel Keys is, he's a serial killer who committed multiple rapes and murders in Vermont, New York, and the Pacific Northwest. But this connection was ultimately ruled out. Um, in March of 2016, on the 12th anniversary of Brianna's disappearance, investigators revealed that they had retrieved DNA samples from the Oldsmobile, but did not release any information on who this DNA belonged to. And coincidence or not, just a few months later, in July of 2016, the Dutchman house where Brianna's car was found was destroyed in a fire. Yeah, I was like, oh, maybe we could do some dark tourism, like go to northern Vermont and drive by. No, it was destroyed. So, can't do that. But in the fall of 2020, I mean, they're still still moving forward with this case, even after all these years, which is awesome. So in the fall of 2020, the Vermont State Police Major Crime Unit partnered with Othram. Othram? I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, and their goal was to hopefully generate a lead with the same DNA evidence that was found on the item at the scene. Scientists at Othram use, quote, forensic-grade genome sequencing to build a DNA profile and conducted genealogical research to help investigators develop leads so that they can find who is responsible. Police were able to interview and obtain DNA from, quote, candidate donors, and these samples were sent and tested at the Vermont Forensic Laboratory. Interesting. Yep. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they're so they partnered up with, like, this other company, yeah. and they're using, like, genomes, basically, um, like, the same thing that was the same kind of science that's been used to find a lot of these, or solve a lot of these old cold cases. Exactly. Yep. Um, so these samples were sent to be tested and in March of 2020, just last year, the Vermont State Police revealed that they had identified the source of this unknown DNA, but this does not mean that they have identified a suspect. So just because, you know, you may have found like a link to the suspect, they don't just have, they know that the DNA came from a a white male of this age range with yeah. this color hair and these eyes. Well, with the genome sequence, and they probably yeah. found a relative. They could have, yeah. And they probably just don't know exactly who. Yeah, and it also could just be a percentage. Like, you know, they're, they're you know, point something percent related to that person, you know. Yeah. Um, it's so really hard with it, those. Yeah, but I DNA. mean, they're they're getting there. They're getting there. They are. It's what, who was the serial killer they identified through that? It BTK, was the, um, no, Golden State Killer. Golden State Killer. Yeah, I was gonna say that first. I was like, no, that's not it. Yeah, it was Golden State Killer. Okay. Um, police are still continuing efforts to investigate all leads associated with this case. They are offering a reward of up to five thousand dollars for in- information leading to a resolution in the case. Brianna's family still holds out hope that they will someday find their daughter. The Maitland support of o- other families. Sorry. The Maitlands support other families who are also searching for their loved ones through Bruce's own private investigation foundation. This foundation is called Private Investigators for the Missing, and it is a nonprofit dedicated to providing private investigators to those who are unable to afford them. That's awesome. Yeah. The families also created a Facebook page to help keep this case alive. And although they don't post too often, the last post was in October of 2022, they post... I mean, I'm sure it was way active back in the day when Facebook first came out. But, I mean, at least once a year, twice a year, there's something. Um, but, 
I mean, at least some good came out of it. They have this nonprofit foundation. They can help other families. Um, but, That's amazing. I yeah. Love I love hearing that people have tried to find a way to move forward, but also do some good in the name of their loved ones. It's like the Vanessa Marcotti case. Yeah. Like, they have a whole foundation for helping uh, women learn about self-defense and, you know, toxic relationships and yeah like bias, everything stuff like that yeah so um so just some theories that i read the strongest theory is that this was drug related um and this is the authority's strongest lead they say um drugs are very prominent in this area of vermont supposedly and it is known that brianna had experimented with drugs in the past um some people speculate that she was killed over a drug debt and her body was hidden or disposed of and i mean we kind of already briefly touched upon that yeah it's a strong possibility um i read this one and this i mean possible someone was hiding in the back seat of her car when she was at work oh i hate that i hate that i hate that she was seen getting into her car and driving off alone and then her car was found about a mile down the road Sad. so that's like a two minute one to two Ooh, minute drive that just reminds me read that the book uh scary stories tell in the dark yeah there is a short story in there called headlights and that is actually what it is is that this girl is driving home and this truck starts following really closely behind her and putting their high beams on and like tailgating her and she thinks that the truck is like aggressively going after her to attack her but when she finally gets home and the truck follows her home he tells her that he was putting his high beams on because he saw somebody in the back seat coming up and going after her in her car. Shut up. And I like I remember reading that like 10 years old in that book and being like fucking mortified. And I've always been afraid of that. And I always what was did, in the back seat of my why car. Why did our parents let us read that? Oh shit. My, my, my parents, my father could not stop me. I when we went into Blockbuster, I immediately went over to the horror movie section and just looked at whatever cover I thought was the scariest and asked if I could grab it. Oh my god. And like he barely like sometimes he wouldn't even look at the rating because he was just he was a single father and so busy. So he was like, sure, throw it up, grab it, whatever. Yeah. Get out of here. Oh my god. I need to like read those stories again. Yep, but that was one of them and I will never forget it. It was rent free in my head, but that is that like that's one of my worst nightmares. I mean, how likely is that? Because she was it could be fairly likely getting into her car and driving up alone and then less than a mile late. How long does it take you to drive less than a mile down the road or about a mile down the road? Two minutes, yeah, maybe. maybe. And if that person was on drugs and just happened to like sneak into her car, like sneak into her car and was, or planned oh, to, maybe that. it was like this guy or something. Yeah, it could have been because they could have been watching she her. She saw or it could have been a moment of opportunity. She saw some something outside at the store earlier that day with her mother that spooked her. Maybe this guy was like fucking following you. Yeah. Like maybe he got into her car and because it was an old car. Yeah. So 1985. Oh, like yeah, I'm sure it's easy to break into that thing. Yeah, and. He probably came up behind her in her seat and was like, pull off the road and Dude, fuck that. Yeah. Um, so then a lot of people think that this is related to the Maura Murray case. Uh, Maura was last seen in Haverhill, New Hampshire, only 90 miles from Montgomery, Vermont. Um, FBI agents have met with local authorities to discuss the possible links between the two cases. Both had gone missing after a car accident. Both left their belongings behind. They were both young women. Yeah, I don't very, know. Very I don't similar. think so, but you never know. But you never know. Um, and then the Israel Keys theory, which we already yeah. kind of talked about. 
He was known to commit crimes in Vermont. Um, but this was ruled out because his financial records show that he was not in the area the day Brianna went missing. Okay. If her case and Maura Murray were connected, I would be, like, I don't want to say I would be, like, genuinely surprised, but that would be, like, huge. Yeah. Um, Maura really Murray's crazy to sis- find out. Maura Murray's sister has a TikTok. I think it's called Maura Murray Missing or something along yeah. those lines. And she answers questions that people have pretty much and like people deep dive into this case and they're like what about this what about this what about this and she doesn't she updates it she updates it um i don't know sometimes she like puts things out there and it's like what do you think do you know if she thinks that these cases are related though uh i don't i've never heard anything about her knowing about this case i'm sure i'm sure she does because i did read something somewhere where brianna's parents and morris parents had actually gotten together okay um because, I mean, what else do you do I mean, in times like that? You gotta... it's a possibility. I feel like if I had somebody missing, I wouldn't rule out anything until I found them. I would consider everything a possibility. Yeah. So, I I don't think, I don't know. I don't know. Um, at the time of Brianna's disappearance, she was about 5'3 to 5'5. Five five. Uh, she weighed about 105 to 115 pounds. She has brown hair, hazel eyes, and a faint scar on her left eyebrow. If alive, Brianna would be 36 years old today. So sad. Yep. So those with any information regarding the case are asked to call the Vermont State Police at 802-524-5993 or the investigation's official tip line at 802-241-5355. Anonymous tips can also be submitted by texting B-T-I-P-S, that's B-TIPS, to 274 Nice. And I mean, this case is huge. When I, if you just type her name in Google, it's like article, yeah, like an article, an article, an article. Um, a lot of it is the same. Yeah, information. I feel like you get a lot of like the same repeated info in an article. Yeah, and like cases like these, like yeah, I'll go on Reddit and just kind of like look and it's see what other fun people to think. See other things, yeah. other theories. Yeah, but um. I mean, basically, that's pretty much it. Um, very weird circumstances. Basically, no movement in the case. Um, I mean, they're trying to narrow down the DNA. And I think it's about time that <laughs> something comes out because it's been almost 20 years. And her family deserves answers. And Brianna deserves justice. Definitely. So I agree. That is the mysterious disappearance of. Oops, just knocked my mic. <laughs> that is the mysterious disappearance of Brianna Maitland, and um, yeah, really, really sad. No answers. That's basically where it ends. That's so sad. I um, hope that we find you know something out soon. I mean, they've got that DNA, that new DNA testing that they can do. So yeah, maybe something will come of it. Yeah. Do you? Have any idea what you're doing for your next cases? Um, have you thought about it? I have some ideas. I have some books that I've purchased. I'm currently reading uh, J.C. Lee Dugard's book. Okay. Uh, which you know who J.C. Lee is, right? I've, I've heard of it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Went missing from Tahoe when she was like about 11, 10 years old and was found like 18 years later. Oh, shit. Um, so it, it's her story, you know, in her own words. So I definitely want to, that's like a big case. I remember when it, first came out like when she was found um with her daughters and it was like it was on every magazine you know i'd be at like the grocery store with my parents it's kind of like an elizabeth smart 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah, one of those. That one's crazy. Uh, very big for its time. Uh, but I've always wanted to read her memoir, so I recently awesome. got that. I also have a book coming in that's about the Brenda Sue Schaefer case. Okay. Neither of these are New England, but they're, that's okay. they're cases that have always kind of stuck with me. We're going to go outside um, New England. They already know that. So I might be covering one of those for my next one, and then got to bring some spooky scariness into it. So I don't know if we want to start doing some Bridgewater Triangle stuff yet. I I think we could start our research with Bridgewater Triangle. Yeah. I like I wanted to save like like big episodes like that that like obviously we're gonna cover. Yeah, we um, don't want to do them all at once. I, well, I wanted to have our audio figured out. Yeah, and like set and like have sounding. a system that like works Pretty for us because like that's too big and too like yeah, good of an episode it. to half ass it and have shitty audio. Same um, with like the more Murray case. Like I want to do more Murray. We all know the fuck. I mean. You know what? Yeah, That's a lie. I have I have talked to people. They're like, "Who the fuck is that?" <laughs> Which I'm like, <laughs> but Excuse yeah, me? that's like the one case where I'm just like, it got me into true crime, basically. Like, what the fuck? Where yeah. is she? What the fuck happened? Um, I do have like another theory that I heard on a podcast. I'm gonna reference that. Um, but I mean, this could be a good time to start that episode if this case is often associated with yeah, Morris. Uh, we also have my sister Faith wants to talk to us about her spooky scary house. Oh yeah. So we can definitely do Let's another spooky scary episode. Let's plan that episode for like the spring. Yeah we'll be recording at her house. We might even have her as a guest if she uh, wants yeah. to. No, no pressure Faith. But... Oh we're pressuring you. You're going to be <laughs> on the show. But um, <laughs> And we also her and I just went out the other day and we did some uh, digging on her house. Actually, I got to tell you about it. We found the name of a doctor. Oh, yeah, that, yep, that had his practice on her street. All right. Awesome. So we I'll found some research. like substantial information uh, from the like the Middleborough Public Library. So oh, cool. I definitely would love to do like a little kind of, and that's almost like it's not fully in the Bridgewater Triangle. It's more on the outskirts. We're like dipping our toes into it. You know, if we're doing like some haunted history in Middleborough. Uh, there's the Oliver House. Yeah, in the Oliver House. I've done some research on that. There's some really cool things about that that we should maybe we do. can do like a combo episode. Yeah, I don't know how much information there is on the Oliver House, but there's a pretty. There was some pretty cool information on it. Yeah, there was some really cool enough like, to do like history own episode. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. I can talk about like Benny Franklin stayed there. Ben Benny Franklin. Yeah, Benny oh Franklin stayed there, and he was doing some like sneaky, sneaky. Uh, double spy stuff where he was hanging out with the Olivers pretending to be a loyalist to the crown but really he was trying to get some info on them and what the crown was planning to do to bring back to what would soon be the Sons of Liberty who were hanging out in Philadelphia working on their revolution. Got it. So. Alright. Some cool history stuff I think we'll do like a haunted. If anyone has a haunted house and you want us to come and you want to be on the podcast? Oh my god! Please. And you want to tell us about your haunted house? Up. Fuck yeah! Yeah, we will show up with Fuck everything. Yeah. We will bring snacks. We'll stop at Starbucks. Yep, whatever you want. Whatever you want. <laughs> we will be there. That would be cool if people actually were like, "Yeah, my yeah. house is haunted. Come over. Let's record a podcast. I'll be on it." Um, another thing that we should definitely do because it's not far from us. We should uh go to the Conjuring House. Where's that? It is in Burville, Rhode Island. Okay. So it's about like a 30-minute drive. From okay. Here, maybe it only takes 30 minutes to get across the state anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's Rhode Island. 
Uh, but it is okay. Definitely not be fun. That I'm gonna wait to do an episode on because I have three massive books that I have to read that were written by the eldest daughter Andrea Perrin about their ten year stay in the house. Okay. So, yeah, we'll go. We'll plan I have that. Those on. I have we have some on my Amazon wish wish list. You know, we're getting there. Lots of books. All right. Well, that is it. That is it. This episode, you guys. We hope you enjoyed it and stay spooky. Stay scary. Stay, stay safe. safe. See ya. Bye.